we're actually going to start in the NBA because, well, we got a, got a little bit of a trade action, something that you uh, you anticipated or at least had a inkling may, may or may happen. Uh, Jeru Holiday to the Celtics for uh, quite a haul. And, and, and just like that, John, I, I want to comment the uh, dynamic defensive duo of Marcus Smart and Time Lord are no moss. Gone. Just like that. Yeah, I mean, this offseason has been pretty interesting for the Celtics. They essentially traded four for two. So you mm-hmm. traded Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and Rob Williams. In return, you get Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. Like, if you were to rank those six players, one through six, Holiday would be number one, Porzingis would be number two, and then the four Celtics that were traded would fall into three, four, five, and six. So you got the two best players mm-hmm. you gave up four good players, role players, what have you. Uh, now they're going to have to round out that roster with some depth pieces. But Drew Holiday is a champion. He yep. was a big part of Milwaukee winning the championship a couple seasons ago. He's an outstanding defender, as good if not better than Marcus Smart as a defender. And he's also a 40% three-point shooter, which is outstanding. Porzingis is a big who can shoot from the outside. So I love the moves the Celtics made. And I'm convinced now that Portland's management was never going to trade Damian Lillard to the Heat. And they yeah. were not going to trade Drew Holiday to the Heat because – Quite frankly, they were a little bit upset the way that he conducted themselves when Lillard announced that he wanted to go to the Heat. So mm-hmm. now the Heat are clearly behind the Bucks and the Celtics, but good move for the Celtics getting a player like Holiday. You put him together with Derek White in the backcourt, that is a dynamic backcourt defensively, and they can score enough points to hold their own against some of the top backcourts in the league. Yeah, I mean, let's... I know it's, it's going to sound silly, but l- let's forget about the outcome of the playoffs last year. The Celtics and the the Bucks were already well ahead of the Heat, as were many other teams. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit there and completely dismiss their run, but you know, this was a borderline playoff team to begin with, John, and they've done nothing at all to improve their roster. And I think the Bucks have obviously improved, and I think the Celtics have improved. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Like we we talked about this, I think, shortly after the season ended. Like they couldn't. The Celtics, that is, they couldn't come back and do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Like it, th- there was going to have to be more than a couple tweaks here and there, um, because we've seen this roster, as talented as it is, you know, reach the Eastern Conference Final, reach the NBA Final, but but never really. It just it just never felt like they were going to get over that hump, and and you, and you kind of you know you're, you're treading water essentially for for three or four years, which look. That's a very envious position to be in, you know, relative to some other franchises. Like if you're the Knicks and you're saying, "Man, I I could have gone to the Eastern Conference Final and the NBA Finals and 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 you know four times in five years, blah blah blah, all that stuff," you'd be thrilled. But the reality of it is, John, that's not the expectation here. And after you have had these uh, young superstars for as long as you had, and you haven't, you've gotten so close but not quite there yet, you're starting to get impatient and and I think that's a good thing sometimes impatience can be a bad thing but I I, I like that they went proactive now again you know the the great thing and worst thing about Celtics fans is their their loyalty okay um you know and and you, you I'll give you credit John you you've been uh, pretty uh emotionally detached from Marcus Smart you appreciate his um abilities but certainly not you know, someone that was like, there's no way we can trade Marcus Smart. And, you know, Robert Williams, fan favorite, absolutely great player when he's healthy. And I, I think, you know, 
you're excited to see him play, but then at, at the same time, you're always holding your breath. Like, what, what's going to happen if he gets dinged up and all of a sudden, you know, a guy you rely on is on the shelf and all of a sudden you have no bigs, really? Because <laughs> pr- pretty much that's what happened last year, John. I mean, Al Horford was your backup, <laughs> you know, essentially. Well- yeah, I mean, look at Robert Williams the third, averaged about 800 minutes per year. That's just not enough. Uh, you've got a player in Drew Holiday who will give you 22, 2300 minutes per year. He's a workhorse. Yep. He's outstanding on both ends. So you're getting someone you can depend on, someone who can do so many things on the basketball court. And I think they had to change the makeup, right? I think yes. that Marcus Smart had to go because he felt he was the leader of the team. And let's face it, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are miles ahead of him as players and usually the best player or at least the second best player becomes the leader of the team, not the fifth or sixth best player. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had to go because they already traded him three months ago. He wasn't (laughs) happy that that happened. So you had to move on from him. Grant Williams was too expensive to keep and Rob Williams, you have to give up something to get something. So those are the four guys that moved on. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of filling out the rest of that roster, which they need in the regular season, not so much in the postseason. Right. And, and I I will say this, and this may or may not make sense. Um, I should preface a lot of things that I say with that statement, but, uh, I don't think this is your traditional addition by subtraction with Marcus Smart. Like, I, I think it just, just like sometimes with a coach, you, you, sometimes it, it, it's just time to move on. And I don't mm-hmm. think, like, you know, because, like, yes, I, I agree with you that, that you know, he, he was a leader, though. I mean, that's the thing. He was a leader. He wasn't a guy that was um, overstepping his bounds. But to your point, you know, this this team needed to be – the Jays, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. whose team it has to be, and it has to follow their identity. And right now, that looks like this is going to be a, a a far more offensive minded team. Obviously, I mean they they have a they have an entire starting five of shooters, essentially. Joe Mazzulla is quite happy because he likes the three yes. point shot, and you've got guys that can excel at that position, including Kristaps Porzingis, mm-hmm. who can get you around 38 percent. Tatum and Brown, uh, Brown's not a real good three-point shooter. I, I would like to see him slashing more to the basket. Right, Tatum right. is very streaky from three. Look, Holiday's a 40% three-point shooter. That's that's pretty outstanding. Now, he got a lot of open threes because of Giannis. Giannis draws mm-hmm. a lot of attention, which hopefully you see Jason Tatum doing. And Derek White is just really an outstanding player. Now, right. You start White, Holiday, Porzingis. Tatum and Brown, that's the best starting five in the NBA. And that's what I want them to go with. I don't want to hear about Al Horford in the starting lineup because you got to watch his minutes and he can't play back-to-back games. Go with those five mm-hmm. guys I mentioned in your starting lineup and your closing lineup, and then you build your bench around that accordingly. I mean, Horford's going to be 38 in June. How much yeah. can you rely on him? Right, and and to be fair, like you want him to able to play in June. I mean, and it, mm-hmm. you don't re- the off uh, off season. The regular season really doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. You know, and and to your point, like yes, you need that depth in the in the regular season to to get through the, uh, uh, you know, regular season and to be healthy. Most importantly, not necessarily to, you know, win games. I mean, you can win like you could trot out your starting five forty eight minutes a day and probably win most of your games. Now they'll be exhausted and likely will probably get injured. But you're going to win pretty much a lot of your games. The problem is, by the time the playoffs roll around, you know, they're going to get their ass handed to them because, well, guess what? All these other teams are going to start playing most of their starters most of the, <laughs> most of the time. And, and yeah, you know, they're just going to run out of energy. So to your point, you need the depth in the regular season, not so much in the playoffs. I like Al Horford. I love Al Horford, actually. I think he's a great 
player on this team. He's, you know, you just, you got to use him right, John. You got to use him mm-hmm. right. You can't, you know, this isn't 31-year-old 30, all-star Al Horford. This is, you know, savvy veteran, you know, with the ability. I mean, remember the the, the Celtics uh, uh, 08 title run where they won the champions. Think about some of the guys on the bench there. That that were that Four. played P- key Sam minutes. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, PJ. Uh, uh, PJ Brown. Yeah. PJ Brown. Yep. Leader. Thank yep. you. Yep. yep. You know. Again, I mean, these guys aren't guys that are going to be logging a ton of minutes, so it, it doesn't make them not useful. It just means, well, you just got to use them at the right time, and the right time would be, well, like you mentioned, June, May. You know, those are the clutch clutch months there. So, uh, yeah, I, I like. Look, I really like the trade. Obviously, it's 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 exactly what I think we were both kind of thinking the Celtics needed to do. Like you said, change the makeup of the franchise, not just a couple tweaks. You know, don't add a, a veteran shooter to come off the bench and and all this. You know, you you want to change without obviously you know hitting the main part. And this is exactly what the Celtics did. They didn't they didn't disrupt the leaders you bring in Porzingis you bring in holiday they're, they're not going to be the the alpha quote-unquote in this lineup so you you don't uh disturb that dynamic um and you also give that dynamic more of an opportunity to thrive with some of the departures that we talked about like Marcus Smart and you know kind of that you know not they're not obviously going to completely dismiss the defensive side um I still think they're pretty darn good defensive team but clearly they're they're putting more of a emphasis on offense and and to your point the three-point shooting because look we we, we've seen it five six seven years now they live and die by the three-point shot and more often than not you know when when they have their most frustrating losses it's when they have this incredibly long cold stretch of three-point shooting And, and look that's not too dissimilar to many other teams in the nba but the Celtics seem to to just just commit to it, and they can't get out of it. So, how do you fix that? Well, maybe not change your ways that way. Just bring in better three point shooters and more three point shooters, and there you go. Yeah, I mean, when they can shoot forty percent from three, they're nearly unbeatable. When they shoot below forty percent right. from three, they're a five hundred team. And I also think there was a dynamic here with Joe Mazzulla that Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart was his two biggest critics. So I think at some point Brad Stevens is like, we've got to move these guys out of here if we're all committed to Joe Mazzulli. You don't generally see that in the NBA, but Smart and Brogdon aren't elite enough players that you have to maneuver around them. You can show them the door and bring in someone like Holiday, who is a quiet leader, and maybe he can even help Brown and Tatum become better leaders because I think he helped Giannis grow as a leader in Milwaukee because he's got that type of respect. Uh, going forward. So, yeah, exciting move by the Celtics. It would look like the Celtics and Milwaukee are on a collision course to meet the Eastern Conference Finals. We thought that was going to be the case last year, but I think even stronger this year because I, I can't see Miami crashing the party again. It, it, things kind of fell in place for them last year. Give them credit. They took advantage of what was going on, and they got to the finals, and then they were manhandled by Denver. But the Celtics and Milwaukee seem to be on a different level right now mm-hmm. than the rest of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, including, obviously, like you just said, Miami, and also the 76ers, who Mm-hmm. really haven't done anything at all. No, wait for James Harden, who, you know, wanted to get <laughs> traded, then didn't want to get traded, wants to get traded. No one wants James Harden. Yeah. So, like, that might be a to... that might be an example of an addition by subtraction, regardless yep. of the talent right there. And, I mean, it seems to have been the case in a lot of places he left. But, um, 